We are in our last week in this series. We've taken six weeks to walk through one verse a week in this series that we have entitled Unafraid, living in this security that is found in Psalm 23. And as we said at the very first week, we kicked off our new year of 2019 dealing with verse one of Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And if you remember back that far, if you're a part of our church and you're here for that very first week, if you weren't, this is your first Sunday, you can go on our website, you can watch those, you can subscribe to our podcast and listen to those. I encourage you to do so. But if you remember, we talked about how familiar this psalm is. Like I was trying to remember, have I ever talked with anyone that ever said that they weren't familiar with Psalm 23? And I know that there's many that would be, but I've never talked to someone that at least is not familiar with Psalm 23. And it could be because you've seen it on a wall or you've walked in and it's been on a hospital wall or wherever it may be. Psalm 23 is so familiar. In fact, I even had some people after the first service say to me this. They said, you know, when we first opened Psalm 23, I was like, oh man such a familiar psalm like what am I going to get out of this and probably you may have been in the same boat but do you remember what we said our prayer was this that we would really believe really see really live really experience psalm 23 in, in a way that we had not before in a fresh way and some of you you've never heard of psalm 23 before so for you it's the first way hearing for the first time but for many of us in a fresh way, and so I don't know about you, but if I'm going to be completely transparent, I've not been tested to really believe, really see, really live, really experience this psalm in a way that I can remember in a long time. So much so that I'm like, Lord, why did I have to say that? <laughs> like, God, why did I say that? And I know I've heard from many of you that you are also in that same place. And in some ways, I'm kind of a little disappointed that we're done with Psalm 23 today, at least walking through it. But here's what I hope. I hope that you're never done with Psalm 23 from this point on. And we encourage you to memorize it. We encourage you, and we're gonna do that here in a, mem- in a minute. We're gonna say it together. And if you haven't been here, you don't have it memorized, we're gonna, you can read it together. But I hope that you see it, believe it, have lived it, experienced it in a way that you never have before. Can I just remind ourselves of what we looked at in each verse before we read it again? Remember in verse one, we talked about that we experience satisfaction when the Lord is our shepherd. We saw that in verse one. In verse two, we saw this idea that we experience rest when the Lord is our shepherd, that there's times when he knows, I gotta make you lie down right now. I need to put you flat on your back so the only place that you can look is up so that you can experience the green pastures and the still waters that I want you to experience. We experience rest when the Lord is our shepherd. We looked at that in verse two. And then remember in verses three and four, we looked at this idea that that we experience restoration when the Lord is our shepherd, spiritually, directionally, in verse three, and emotionally in verse four. That when we're in the valley of the shadow of death, we can say, I'm not gonna fear any evil. Why? Because our shepherd is with us and it's his rod and it's his staff that comforts us. Then last week, we looked at the 
promise of the Lord's provision, right in verse five, you prepare a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. You anoint my head with oil and my cup overflows that my provision for all things is found in the Lord as my shepherd. And so hopefully you're there by now. Can we recite? Can we read? Whichever one you need to do this morning, can we do that this morning? Let's say all six verses. Let's read it together. Let's start in verse one. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. We're going to pray here in a moment. And before I pray, I want you to, as I pray out loud, just take whatever it is that you're still working through, that you're still Asking the Lord to help you to believe, help you to see, help you to experience, help you to live out, help you to have the strength not to doubt. Because we have an awesome promise that we say here at Harvest every week, and it's true. That when God's word is open, God's mouth is open. And so God's going to speak. We don't need to pray that. We need to pray, Lord, would you help me to listen? Would you help me to apply what you have for me today to what I'm feeling, to where I'm doubting, to where I'm struggling to live or experience what I've seen in this psalm and what we will look at today in this verse. So you pray as I pray out loud. Lord, we are here today because we need you. Lord, we gather into this auditorium for one reason and one reason only, and it is not to lift up a person. It's not to lift up a place, but it is to lift up one person, the name that is above every name, the name that every knee will bow and every tongue will confess one day is Lord, and that is Jesus Christ, our good shepherd. And so, God, I thank you for the way that you have led us, directed us through every verse in this familiar psalm. And so, God, we should not expect anything less that you will not speak today as your word is proclaimed. But, God, would we take the things that we are holding on to, the things that we are struggling with, the the things that we are enjoying I mean, we take all of them, good or difficult, and we lay them before your word today, asking you to speak, to breathe life into those things, knowing that you will. So God, may you give us the strength and obedience to do what you want us to do. And it's in the mighty name of Jesus that we pray, amen. Here's the title of the message this morning that we're going to look at in verse 6 if you're taking notes. It's this, safe and secure, that those are two things that we are going to see promised 
in verse six, in the last verse of this psalm, this psalm that reminds us that we can be unafraid, that we can have security and live in that. And so let me give you this idea that we're gonna look at and unpack based on verse six. It's this, that I, that you can have confidence in the Lord's safety for my today and security for my eternity when he, the Lord, is my shepherd. That you can have confidence in that today. That the Lord is your safety for today. And because he's my safety for today, there's also another amazing promise that he is my security for eternity. If I can say today that yes, the Lord is my shepherd. I mean, that's quite a statement, is it not? That there's a lot of things that we can't have confidence in. But in this verse, there is such, in the way that it's written, in the way that the Holy Spirit gives these words to David, and David writes them based on what he's experiencing in the moment, that he can say with such confidence and speak to the safety that is promised and the security that is promised when the Lord is a shepherd. And so I know what you're thinking, and as I look at this verse, I would ask this question too, and it's this question. I want God's word to answer it today. I don't want you to leave today not having this question answered by God's word. The question is this, why can I have that confidence? If that's what you're saying, Johnny, that this verse communicates, why can I have that confidence? Why can, I walk, why can I walk out of these doors having that confidence in the midst of whatever I may be navigating through? And so if you're asking that, I'm glad you're asking that because this verse has the answers. And so look at verse six. Look at that very first word and say it out loud. What's the very first word in verse six? Surely. See, the reason why I can have confidence And the Lord's safety for my today and security for my eternity is because of this. Because this promise is certain. David says, surely. He could have started this verse out a lot of different ways, but he does not. He starts off this verse saying, here is what I know. That word surely means without a doubt. Like take it to the bank, cash the check, surely. Without a doubt. Listen, there's many things in our life that are certain. You may not be feeling that right now, but there are many things in life that are certain. Here's one that is certain, and I know I'm gonna mess up our camera guys here, but that's, that's okay. Um, here's one thing that is certain. So if I stand up on this platform here, here is a certainty. That when I jump off of this platform, I'm gonna go down to the floor. You're like, well, maybe that's a fluke. So if I go on this platform again, same thing happened. Why? You guys are like expecting me to do some type of levitation trick. It's not happening. Here's why. Because there's a word that is causing me that when I leave this platform, I am going to fall down and land on this stage. What is it? Gravity. It's certain. I could do that over and 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 over. Are you tired of me saying that yet? Over and over. 
Now, if I ever jumped off that stage and I started floating, then we got something really happening in this house, right? But gravity's a thing. And here's the thing about gravity. It doesn't matter whether you believe it or not. It's still certain. Here's another thing that's certain. One plus one is always gonna equal two. It's never not. You can say, well, I'm not really sure I believe that. Doesn't matter. I don't, doesn't matter what you believe. Here's another thing. The temperature by which something freezes is 32 degrees. Doesn't matter whether or not you believe it or not. I maybe doubted that a little bit before I moved to North Carolina, but nevertheless, I found out it always freezes at 32 degrees. It's a reality. Things boil at 212 degrees. So if you're from Canada or from the outside, let's, not, let's be fair to you. So zero degrees Celsius is when things freeze and 100 degrees Celsius is when things boil. See, I'm not trying to leave out anybody in here. Like, I know we're the only ones in the world that aren't on the metric system and, and don't use Celsius, but nevertheless, see, I'm not leaving you out. But regardless of whether you're Fahrenheit or Celsius, what's the reality? It's certain. You can argue with it. You cannot believe it. But whether or not you believe it or you argue with it doesn't mean that it's going to change the certainty of those things. Here's another certainty. Just everybody do this. Just breathe in. And breathe out. Here's another certainty. You need oxygen to live. You can hold your breath and try to doubt it and be stubborn about it. But I promise you, you're going to breathe. Why? Because you got to have it to live. It's a certainty. Here's why I take time to stress the obvious. It's because the promises of God are the same way. God's character is not dependent on whether or not I believe it or not. God's not up in heaven right now being like, oh man, I sure hope Susie believes in who I am. And if she doesn't, man, I'm going to start to doubt that this is really true about myself. Like it's almost sacrilegious to joke about that. You feel like a tinge in you, like, like that's not even something to joke about. But I think it's a point that we need to bring as a reminder that, that the promises of God are not dependent and relying on whether or not we're doubting them, whether or not we're not believing them, whether we're not feeling them, whether we're, we seem to not be in our minds experiencing them. It still doesn't mean that they're not certain. And what David is doing in this verse to close out this amazing psalm is he starts it out. I think this is so amazing. He says, here's the deal. Before I get to the rest of what's so amazing in this verse, I want to start out by you understanding that what I'm about to tell you is a certainty. And aren't you glad that that certainty doesn't depend upon me? It doesn't depend upon whether or not I have enough belief today. It doesn't depend on whether or not I have enough faith today. It's not dependent on me at all. No, no, no. Surely, it's certain. But here's the second thing on why we can have this confidence in this phrase about the Lord's safety and the, for my today and security for my eternity when he is my shepherd. It's found in the second part of that verse, really the rest of the verse, because I only mentioned one word already. Here it is. Surely, 
It's for certain, without a doubt, no hesitation, no wondering, no doubts, no question marks. Absolutely, without a doubt, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord Lord, forever. Why can I have the confidence in this promise that's found in this verse? Really, why can I have the confidence in this psalm? is because what we find here in the rest of this verse, in verse six, following that one awesome word, surely, is because this verse is a covenant promise. And David describes this promise this way. He first describes it. You see it there in your Bibles. He says, goodness. That word goodness literally means my welfare. God's acts of kindness towards me. That's the idea of that word. So let's just think, if you were to do an exercise and you were to go home this week and you were to get out paper, if you're a paper person or, or on your tablet or on your computer, however way you like to do stuff, and, and you were to take that and you were to literally like be really focused without distractions and just start typing or writing or whatever it is, all the ways that you've experienced God's goodness in your life, his acts of kindness to you, the way that he has shown you that he is for your welfare, The reality is, is I probably would guess that it would probably be days, if you were really disciplined about it, that you'd be writing or typing out all the ways that you've seen that. You're like, I don't know about that. Like some of you are like, man, if you asked me to do that right now, I don't know that I could put one thing down right now. And I get it. I get it. But can we just do this again? Just breathe in. Breathe out. That right there is God's act of kindness towards you. So you got one on your list. The fact that I even can take a breath and exhale is God's welfare for me. See, every breath that I take is an oxygen loan from God. Right? And some of us have a 40-year term, and some of us have a 30, and some of us have a 20, and some of us have less than that. We're not trying to get fatalistic today, but all of us have an oxygen loan from God, and every breath that I take is an act of kindness from my shepherd. You may be struggling, and so I'm just going to list some. You're The fact that you're moving, the fact that you got up this morning, the fact I'm looking across the audience, all of you guys look really, really good this morning. Like you got yourself dressed, nobody's here without any clothes this morning, thankfully. Um, Everybody looks like like you've bathed, Um, you've probably brushed your teeth, you combed your hair, you took a shower, whatever it may be. Who gave you the strength to do that? Like sometimes we forget. You know what's interesting is you take the things for granted until you can't do them anymore, right? Like I remember one time I was at Lucas's baseball game, Little League baseball game, and this is all that I did. I literally reached down to pick up my little foldable chair and my back went out. I've never had that happen before. Didn't have that happen at 39 
or 40. Didn't have that happen before. And all of a sudden, I'm like, oh, I never appreciated being able to stand up without pain before that happened to me. So the fact that you could get yourself ready this morning, the fact that you're here today and you're actually able to breathe and to live and to sing, that is an act of kindness by God towards you. The fact that you can see today and you can hear today and you can process today and you're hopefully not asleep right now, like that is all God's acts of kindness towards you. And we could go on and on and on and on. I think you get the point that God's goodness literally surrounds us. And if you remember last week, if you were here, one of the things that we talked about under that phrase, you anoint my head with oil in verse five, is to remind ourselves that God is the source. He's the one that gives me the strength to do anything in this life. And one of the things that we talked about that was so important is when we're done with the day, to just stop and reflect and to thank God for the ways that he's provided us with the strength to face whatever we've been going through today. See, David says, here's what I know without a doubt. Here's what I know to be certain. Here's what I can be confident in is that goodness is from my shepherd. Psalm 39 19, David says it this way, Oh, how abundant is your goodness, which you stored up for those who fear you and worked for those who take refuge in you. How abundant is your goodness. David says it's a certainty. We have a promise of God's goodness, but he doesn't stop there, does he? He says goodness, and then he says this word, mercy. So here's the significance of this word. When you look at this word in the Hebrew, the Old Testament is written in Hebrew, it's this word, hesed. Just say that out loud, hesed. It is a word that is, has such richness to it because anytime you see that word, hesed, it speaks of God's covenant love towards others. Here's the significance of that. When you look at this, it speaks of the Lord's loyalty to you. Anytime that word is used. So David's using it this way. Here's why I know I can have the safety for my today from my good shepherd. Because I'm promised that God is out for my welfare. Not that he's my servant and I'm his master. But God is my master and he is going to take care of me. And I have his goodness. But I also have his covenant love, his mercy. And it's the type of love that we see in the Old Testament. That any time that it's used, it has the idea of loyalty. And it is not loyalty based on our loyalty back. It speaks of the shepherds in this verse committed love to you that is this, unconditional. It's not a commitment of love that's described with the word if. Like, well, if you live this way, if you're like this, then I'll love you. It's not that. It's the type of love, another way to say it, it's the type of love where God is literally saying, I'm putting my reputation at stake. And what did we say in verse one? There's a reason why you find 
the description of our shepherd as the Lord, capital L-O-R-D, Yahweh, the one who has always been, who always will be, the self-existent one, the self-sustaining one, the one that promises his presence, is because God is literally saying this type of love is not something that's dependent upon you because if it was depending upon you, it wouldn't be worth much. But this love is so special, this mercy is so special, this hesed is so special because it's all dependent upon me. Here's what that means. When you are at your best, God loves you. Like if you woke up today and you're like, man, I've already been having a great day. It's, 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 it's almost 12 o'clock, I'm having a great day. I haven't yelled at my wife today. I got through not yelling at my kids today. Miracle. And So far, I'm having a great day, and you could, at the end of the day, praise God if this is true, look at the day and say, man, God, I had a really great day today. I worshiped the Lord today. I was with God's people today. I opened up your word today. I had a special time with my wife or my family or my friends, whatever it may be today. And at the end of the day, you're like, man, I just had a really great day. You know what's awesome about that? God loves you at your best. Here's where it really takes significance. That you're like, man, I already had a bad day today. Like the day isn't even over. And like I got up this morning in 30 minutes. Like after I got up, I already yelled at my wife or my husband. Already yelled at my kids. Already got angry. Already got upset. Already thought bad thoughts or whatever it was. Man, I've already had a bad day. And I'm at church today, but I'm really struggling. And, And you may lay your head down tonight and like, God, why did I have such a bad day today? God, why did I mess up again in this way? God, I've prayed over and over again for you to forgive me. But God, I failed yet again. And here's the awesome thing. At your worst, God loves you. At my worst, I can have a certainty that goodness and mercy is still there for me. Why? Because it's not dependent upon you and it's not dependent upon me. That's why Hebrews 13, 5 says, I will never leave you or forsake you. That's why in Philippians 1, 6, remember looking at that in the fall, that Paul can say, I can be sure of this, much the same way that David starts off this verse. But Paul says, he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. Here's a phrase you need to remember. That God always finishes what he starts. Can you just say that with me? Say that with me. God always finishes what he starts. Let's say it again. God always finishes what he starts. You're like, man, that's pretty good. But I haven't gotten to the best part yet. Because when I looked at this verse, in Psalm 23, 6, and I looked at it and I said, okay, I, I've, I know this verse, I've heard this verse, I've memorized this verse before, and I came and I saw, surely goodness and mercy... And I studied those words and, and how awesome it was that that word mercy, like we said, is has said, covenant love, not dependent upon me, dependent on con- upon God, God's loyalty to me. He's putting his name at risk. Like there's a certainty that how awesome that is. But then I came to this phrase, shall follow me all the days of my life. And I thought to myself, there's got to be some significance there. Because I think if we read that verse... And it said it this way, surely goodness and mercy shall lead me all the days of my life. We would think, that's an awesome verse. 
We would not argue with that verse. We would, we would be able to preach that verse. We would be able to take comfort in that verse that, that God's goodness and mercy is leading us. And we would be like, praise God for that. But it doesn't say that, does it? It says, God's goodness and God's mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And you know what that word follow me literally means? It means this, chases after me. See, here's the significance of that. That if I read that verse and it said, surely goodness and mercy shall lead me all the days of my life and I'm in a really dark time right now. Or unfortunately, I may have wandered my own way and I'm not being obedient to what God's word says and I'm living the life of a prodigal right now and I'm far from God and I saw that verse, you know what I could draw the conclusion of? That God's goodness and God's mercy is leading me. And if I'm wandering away, then it could cause me to think it's too far gone. I can't catch up with it. That God at one time, I was right here, right next to you experiencing your goodness and your mercy. But God, somewhere along the line, I tried to go my own way and I've wandered away from you and I've been living my own life my way and I may be even experiencing the weight and the horizontal consequences of that because of my sin. And so at one time, I felt like I was right next to you. But now if I was to be honest, I feel like I'm over here and God, I feel like you're a mile down the way. And so if I looked at that verse and I said, surely God's goodness and God's mercy shall lead me, I'd be like, God, you're so far ahead of me. You're so far gone that God, I can't even believe that I could find you if I wanted to. But praise God that through the Holy Spirit that David doesn't say goodness and mercy will lead me, but he says goodness and mercy will chase after me. Because because it says that, here's the significance of that. No, no matter how far I may wander away from God's presence or God's desires for my life and his will for my life, no matter how much I wander away from that, the amazing reality is, is God's love is still right there behind me chasing me, which means I I can never outrun God's goodness. I can never outrun God's love for me. No matter how hard I try, no matter how rebellious I am, that if I am one of his sheep, there is no way that I can outrun God's covenant promise given to me. I can't outrun it. And all is necessary for me to experience it yet again is not to be like, God, how in the world I feel like I'm two miles from you and you may feel like that, but the beauty of this verse says that all I need to do is what it says in James, draw near to God and he'll draw near to you. Because even though you may not have realized it, even though you may have forgotten it, even though you may have even thought in your mind it's not true anymore, it's always been chasing you. It's always been running after you. You can't outrun it. It's right there. And it doesn't say some of the days of my life. It doesn't say on my good days of my life. It doesn't just say on the bad days of my life. It says, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me, shall, shall chase after me all the days of 
my life. Here's another important phrase you need to remind yourself of, and it's this phrase. When the Lord is my shepherd, I am never lost. I'm never lost. Just say that. When the Lord is my shepherd, say this, I am never lost. And that's not some cutesy little phrase to hope you, hope you feel better that I came up with so that you could recite. No, no, no. I want you to see from God's word today that that's straight from verse six of Psalm 23, that God's love and goodness is chasing after you. And when I am one of God's sheep, when I am one of God's children, when I've accepted Christ's love for me that was given for me through his perfect life and his death on the cross for my sins and that he rose again three days later and I place my trust in Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior and not in the good that I think I could accomplish on my own behalf. But when I believe that Jesus Christ lived and died and rose again for me, I have that love. It's been given to me through Jesus Christ so that I can have a relationship with God and it will never leave me. It's always chasing after me. And no matter how much I feel lost, I can have a certainty. I can say, surely, that God's goodness and God's love is always right behind me. Always there to support me when I want to fall. Always there to say, no, 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 I have your back. Always there to say, you've wandered away, but I'm right here. You just need to turn back to me. That's why we can have confidence. And the Lord's safety for my today. And because I can have confidence in the Lord's safety for my today, that's why David can say this, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Not I might. Not it's 50-50. Not I hope. But he says, no, no, no. I got certainty. Surely, without a doubt. I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And that word dwell literally means this, to make your home. Like my home is with my shepherd. That's what I have to look forward to. You know what I've found in my life? That it's when you're in, in verse four, like we talked about, when you're in the valley that verse six becomes, the end of verse six becomes so much sweeter. Provides such hope, such security. That as dark as things are today, I have this promise of my eternity that I have something to look forward to forever. And that's not just true when you're going through hard times. That's true when maybe you've lived a long life. And I found and I've talked with people that the longer they live their life, the more that they love to talk about eternity. See, John 14, 1 through 3 says this, and we probably are pretty familiar, some of us, with these verses. It says this, Jesus says this in John 14, 1 through 3, let not your hearts be troubled, which means that they could be, or they are, Right? Believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go to and prepare a place for you, I will come again and I'll take you to myself that where I am, there you may be also. I've known those verses. Man, as 
long as I can remember back. And I remember growing up that I always would look at those verses and I'd be like, man, it's going to be so awesome that right now the Lord is building me a mansion. Like that's how I would look at it and see it. And, you know, some of you know, we lived in Naples for 10 years and Naples has a lot of really wealthy areas. And so what we would, what Lori and I would always like to do is when people were visiting is we would like to take them on this double decker, like Naples, like sunset cruise and what it would do is it would go out into the canal and you would see all of these multi-million dollar homes and when I say multi I don't mean like two million I mean like 15 17 20 million dollar homes and up and you were just like I remember I would be like at the edge of the boat it would never get old and I would just sit there hanging off of the rail and just be looking at those homes like this and Hearing the guy on his speaker say, yeah, we're passing this home right now. I think, yeah, there's a picture of it right there. That's on Gordon Drive. I won't give the address. Um, not that any of us would be able to see it. But nevertheless, that was one of the homes that you would see, which was this was this view that they had. So it's like cold and rainy out, so we can just stop. <sighs> yeah, I remember that. Like, right, you'd be like, wait a minute, I'm going to have like a, a, a chaise, like right, right there, right? You could see yourself there. But anyway, you would go on this boat and you'd go through this canal and you'd see these massive homes and the guy in the speaker would just be talking about how much this home is worth and who lives here that you know that's a, a star or something. And, and he would talk and he would be like, yeah, this person only lives in this home less than 30 days out of the year. And you're like, oh my goodness. And I remember I'd sit on that every time and sometimes I'd say this to the people you know it'd be awesome to see their faces if they've never seen it before and I'd say man just think that if man can build that what is God building right now but you know I started to think about it and I thought that's kind of faulty thinking because it's really like what it's all about is me having some awesome mansion in heaven is it the streets of gold that's described in Revelation? See, think about it. When you go on a, let's say you've been on a business trip and you've stayed, maybe you've been fortunate enough to stay at a, a higher end hotel. Not, you know, La Quinta, but like some higher end hotel. And you know, you're like, man, it was so awesome. This bed, like I don't have this bed at home. For sure, nobody's coming in my room, making my bed, putting a chocolate on my pillow. Or man, I got all these little lotions and soaps that I don't have at home. Whatever it is, you're like, man, it's really cool to experience that. But, but face it, right? You don't want to stay there. As nice as it is, why? Because you miss home. And what makes home home is not how big your house is or how much stuff you have in that house, but it's knowing you're going to be back with the people that love you. And what makes this verse so amazing and what gives security to it is not that one day the Lord, I'm gonna be able to have some mansion in heaven, but it's that I'm going to finally be with my Jesus, my good shepherd forever. I'm gonna be in his presence 
but not just have to remind myself that that's felt through, my, through the Holy Spirit who lives inside of me, but I'm gonna literally be with the King of kings and Lord of lords, my shepherd, the one who gave his life for me, the one who gave me Psalm 23, the one that gave me his word. And that's what makes this verse so special is that I can say, I shall dwell in the house. I'm gonna live, that's my home. I'm gonna be with Jesus forever. So today I can have confidence in the Lord's safety for my today, my security for my eternity, because he's my shepherd.